You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show where we try to take all the crazy and uncertain things that might be going on in the world around you and give you some common sense solutions and ideas to help you be a better leader, a better business owner, and uh, all-around good human being. How about that? So um, no, no stress and pressure here. So um, my my guest is someone who is going to help us explore some tips and ideas about personal productivity, time management, and really becoming more effective with the time we've got in the day. Her name is Chelsea Newmeyer. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Doug. I am so excited to nerd out about this topic. It's my all-time favorite thing to talk about. Very good. Very good. Well, as I often ask my guests, give me a little bit of a background story. Tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are and how did you get interested in this particular area? Sure. So I have always been a time management productivity organizational person. I probably it's because I'm first born, but I have always really appreciated, you know, the new planners you get at the beginning of the school year every year. And I ended up going to college for biomedical engineering. My that's what my undergraduate degree is in. And um I was surrounded by people who were so smart and so efficient with their time because we had to be. There's just so much we had to get done as as edu- educating engineers. So I realized, though, about halfway through my college experience that engineering wasn't actually going to be the right fit for me. And then I spent the last decade or so of my career in the nonprofit space. And that was a very different environment because it's a much more kind of old-fashioned place to be. Those offices tend to be a little slower to catch up on all things technology and efficiency. So I was able to use the skills that I had learned to help my colleagues, help the office, just get a little bit more efficient and productive. And that led to me starting my business as a coach in 2020 when the world shut down and everybody's schedules got flipped on their head. So everything that we were doing was different. And so it was a really great opportunity to me to say, for me to say, I can help with this. I can teach you how to adjust your schedules, how to figure out how to work from home, how to ignore the distractions that our home provides. Um, that's a little bit different than the office and how to utilize all of the technology and tools and resources available to maintain or even improve our time management and efficiency. Why do you think it is so hard for us creatures called human beings to manage time well? There's a few factors. The first one is that we're not explicitly taught this. I was also a tutor, executive function tutor for a number of years and helping high school students who are again working through and managing a lot of different pieces it's not explicitly taught it's kind of inherent through the things that we're learning and so that can be really hard for for folks to kind of be to take a moment to pause and just think about it right we kind of just do it and not necessarily with the intention that's necessary and then people also have a couple productivity pitfalls that we fall into one of which is that we think we can get way more done in a day than we actually can 
and then spend a lot of time beating ourselves up when we can't get through our to-do list. And when, and then at the, even more detailed than that, we're not setting ourselves up for success by structuring our to-do list in a way that is actually helpful and productive or making decisions for ourselves today that will help us tomorrow. And again, so sometimes it's just about being a little bit more intentional instead of getting caught up in how fast the world moves around us. There are so many things that I inevitably get pulled into with my own executive coaching clients and business owners that I work with. And when we start talking about time management, there's just layers that sort of overlap and crash together. Um, and, and the first area that I'll ask about is this whole idea of setting priorities. You know, what... Mm-hmm what's really significant and important for my day versus just stuff I feel like I've got to get done. Like I I can't tell you how many executives I've talked to that say, well, Doug, you don't understand. If I don't pay attention to my email, I'll I'll have 300, 500 emails in a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm usually like, okay, but how many of those really move the needle for what you're trying to do, your team or your division, your department? You know, how many of those are that critical? And can you not stratify those things and and realize that there's only probably, you know, less than six or eight that are really urgent burning criteria for the day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the priorities conversation comes up in almost every one of my trainings or coaching moments with one-on-one because that's really, it's so hard when everything feels important. How do you decide what's truly important? And I always come back to understanding what our goals are. So for me, productivity is defined by working on the right thing at the right time to help you reach your goal. So that right thing is the priority. The right time is really about energy management. So how do you make sure that you are working on that thing when you're going to be most focused to work on it? And then the right the all of that together is helping you achieve whatever goal you have so if you can make decisions about what goes on your calendar for the day through the lens of what are my priorities for this week for this day for this quarter for this year whatever that may be however you structure your goals i think again that that lens can really help us maybe not ignore but at least lower you know, put kind of lower on the priority list, some of those things that are just either getting in the way or the things that we default to when the other things are actually hard, right? I see that a lot happen too, where people are getting sucked into their inbox because it feels productive. It feels like, oh, looking, I'm going from 300 emails to 100 emails, look how productive I'm being. But just as you mentioned, that's actually not helping you reach your goal Um, because I highly doubt you're being you know, your, your inbox zero is a performance right. <laughs> measurement. Right. right. And, and, you know, for, for a lot of people, the word I use and encourage people to consider is the word intentional, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going out there and be intentional about the day, what you believe you need to get accomplished for the day. And yes, that implies that you might be working on some bigger picture goal and, you know, as the classic joke says, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Well, you know, I 
never have had the chance, nor do I have the desire to see what elephant tastes like. But, you know, you get the picture. You've, you've, you've got to take those big projects or big goals ahead of you, and you've got to figure out the bite-sized chunks that you can get done. And it doesn't have to be you doing it. If you've got people around right. you, you know, getting taking advantage of the idea of delegating tasks and, and offloading certain things so that you still can collectively get a lot more done. Absolutely. And I love breaking things down into their smallest possible pieces because one of the reasons that we procrastinate on things is when we don't have a very clear place to start. And so if you have a big project that's going to take you a month or a quarter to complete, if you just have that on your to-do list, that's huge, right? You, you have no idea where to even start or the motivation to or how to start delegating those things. But exactly as you mentioned, write down this, all the possible steps that may be necessary to complete that project. And then you can decide in what order and how to delegate those appropriately so that you, again, you know exactly what you're working on. You have a definitive beginning and end to that each step. Well, there, there's a good chance that the majority of the people listening to this show are already in the high achiever, mm-hmm. already successful kind of realm. And inevitably, when I really start talking to those people one-on-one or in small groups, what we discover is there's another issue that stalls productivity, and that is perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people that are wired to achieve at a really high level, while they they might not personally call it perfection, I think the people around them see it more as a perfectionistic kind of uh, view of the world. So, you know, there's a... a I I can say with a high degree of certainty that the majority of my high-performing executive and business owner clients that I've ever worked with, when there's an issue with procrastination, there's inevitably a driver of perfectionism that's holding them back. Absolutely. Perfectionists, if they don't think they can do it perfect, they don't want to do it at all. So Mm -hmm. you get this stall out and... As the classic wisdom says, perfection is the enemy of good. Yes, yes, exactly. Yep, I see that as well. And I I try to remind folks to, because it's, it's something you have to work through personally, right? Like there's some, 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 some tips and some tricks, but really this is an internal mindset thing that a person needs to uh, make some decisions on and work through. But I always remind them to be on the lookout or to pay attention to their reactions when other people make mistakes, because likely you're not making that big of a deal out of it, right? Like, like you likely got in an email with a spelling mistake and either you, you, and you just kept reading, right? It didn't turn you off to that person. It didn't derail your belief in them as an authority figure on the topic, right? We're all human. We all make those kinds of mistakes and you have to start somewhere in order to see the progress and the change. So those are those are just some um, strategies I give clients. I make them tell me about a time that they have made a mistake and what happened. Because again, likely it really wasn't that big a deal, right? Like likely they were able to adjust it or apologize or correct it 
and we moved on. Everybody moved on and, and it was okay in the end, but it is a hard mindset to overcome. Well, and there's another element of the perfectionism that I think is less obvious, and that is the tendency to never say no. You you get requests from people around you, or, or they might be peers in the business world, or they might be superiors, and you're always saying yes, yes, you know, I can do that. You know, you get the call or the email that says, hey, can can you give me the report on X, Y, and Z? And, you know, and that perfectionism, yes, says, yes, of course, I'll be your guy. You know, you, there, there's this drive to want to be that person that has all the information and <laughs> has all the good answers. But nine times out of 10, what I challenge people to think about is, did that call or that request come with a deadline on it? And, and nine times out of 10, the answer is not specific. It was just an ask, can you get me that report? And what I encourage people to think about is the possibility of changing your answer. You can still say yes, but you say not now. Mm -hmm. Yes, but not now. Absolutely. Yeah, I love tell it's it's that pause, right? It's that because if you want to break out of that people pleasing uh, pattern, right? So even if you just say, um, you know, can I have, can I, let me get back to you. Oh, I'm in the middle of something. Can I get back to you a little bit later this afternoon? Is anything that you can give yourself a pause to actually make sure that that work fits in your, into your calendar, into your schedule in a way that feels good for you and to clarify the deadline. Um, so that again, you can make a decision, but again, that's another one of those tricky mindsets because especially high achievers, overachievers, we want to do it all and we think we can. And I think sometimes it's also, you're excited and flattered to be asked. And so it's, it's also this like, kind of self-fulfilling opportunity right. as well. Right. <laughs> like, and I, I had a client uh, recently that we were talking about this and I introduced that idea of yes, but not now. And I told him that, you know, what you can do is, is give a, prediction of when you can mm -hmm. fulfill the request. And it was like, let's just say the call came on a Monday. If you say, can I get this to you by close of business Wednesday? So that's arguably 48 hour window. But then if you can, in fact, work time without disrupting a bunch of other stuff and deliver it on Tuesday, you're ahead of the promise. You've overperformed the promise. And it didn't grossly disrupt your own effort on other things. And so how is that not a win-win? Absolutely. You know, you've, and I, I challenged him. I said, you know, to think about the people above him that are sending him these requests all the time. And he said, yeah, the truth is there's never a time bind on it. But like he had had one just recently where he got the request about two o'clock in the afternoon and he stayed at work till eight o'clock to finish the thing for this person. And I, so that he could get it done in the same day. And I said, yeah, but 
was that person waiting in their office at eight o'clock to get it? And he goes, no. I said, do you think they saw it at eight o'clock? And he goes, doubtful. And I said, then why did you kill yourself and ruin your day trying to make that happen? You know, who, who were you really serving there? Were you serving mm -hmm. your superior that asked you for that? Or were you serving your own ego trying to feel good about delivering the way you did? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, if you didn't score any points with the boss, why does it matter? <laughs> you know, why, why did you do all that? <laughs> well, I, I think to me, that also is a great example of when you are almost like, I feel like asking the question, like having that pause and asking the question is demonstrating to your boss or to your coworker or to a client that you are thoughtful about your time. And that you are trying, you know, you're appropriately managing your priorities. Because if you just constantly said yes to everything, then clearly they're not giving you enough work, right? Like that could be their thought as, oh, well, this person's just sitting, filling their thumbs if they could get it all done. And if you're sending work super late at night or super early in the morning, and that's outside of your normal kind of office hours or business hours, then it just doesn't look like you're managing your time well. So I think that those are, you're asking the right encouraging your clients to ask the right questions of that pause is demonstrating that yeah i have i i need to make sure that this fits into my work and that i can deliver high quality work to you and to my team i want to i want to go back a minute and uh, at the sake of feeling like we're derailing this and going backwards <laughs> I, you said something about the your own story about your your journey into school and the high pressure of the college study life and things, and you you implied or inferred something about you know we don't really get trained how to manage time and I agree with that totally. So the question that brings up in my mind is the idea when and how should we start training our kids and grandkids how to look at time differently? Absolutely. It's a great question. So I always think back to, again, when I was in school, but mostly the, the students that I tutor who are obviously were more recently in high school. Um, I think of the classic example of a report, like a research paper, because I can think of times in both history and English class where I had to write a research paper and the teacher gave me a rubric, okay, it gave us, uh, we had to hit these deadlines. We had the facts done by this time. We had our bibliography done by this time and so on. And that's it as far as how to break down a project and how to manage our time. That was like kind of the only example that I could really think of where it was explicit to me. And so I think when we're working with students, it's helping them kind of be really intentional with that time to break things down into their smallest possible pieces. So if they have to write an essay, their to-do list shouldn't be write English essay. It should be outline English essay. That's the first step. And then the second one is write introduction. The second step is write first paragraph, right? Like we want to be able to help them see their projects in their smallest possible pieces so that they can then appropriately plan out how long it's actually going to take. Because write English essay is one task, but it's not gonna take them 30 minutes. Writing the outline is probably going to take them 30 minutes. So maybe they can do the outline on Monday, right? So if they see the volume of the work, it helps them plan it more appropriately. And in, in conjunction with everything else that's going on in their life, right? What math homework they have or science homework. So again, I think that's kind of step one. And then also having them think about 
that energy management piece, right? If they're really exhausted when they come home after school, like I'm an extrovert. So I come home from school. I came home from school, like wired because I just spend the whole day with my friends. Right. So like I was good to kind of just jump right into my homework. But one of my best friends is an introvert. So she came home exhausted at the end of the day because she spent all day talking to people. So she needed an hour to recoup, relax, you know, have something to eat and, and recharge herself. And so respecting your kid's energy level in that same way can also be really helpful and avoid some fights because you know that they just need this time to readjust or re- recharge and then they're going to get down to it much more focused. And so then you're not spending an hour on something that really only takes 20 minutes because they're actually sitting there able to focus on it. Well, uh, part of all that, I think, also includes learning how to be able to think critically about the work in front of you mm-hmm. and, and not just, like you said, take a look at the big assignment, write the big paper, you know, but... Uh, I, I think if you apply some critical thinking to it, you you do start to break it down into the steps or the subtasks that have to get you there. You know, maybe maybe you need a topic, yes, or you have a topic, but you know, maybe one of the tasks is research a little more. You mm-hmm. know, go fact find, uh, look up some things as reference points that you don't already know, and you know, bake that into it. So it, it, it's a matter of taking the time to look at the task and start that process of breaking it down and saying, what do I know? What do I have readily at hand that I can apply? Or what am I missing? What's going to take some time and effort to, to put together to add to this? And that's a critical thought skill that I'm not sure we're teaching very well to young people. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's also about experimenting a little bit, right? So some, you know, there's like the classic kind of eat the frog approach where you do, you may get home from school or where you sit down at your desk to do your work and you take tackle the hardest thing first, right? Like that approach, I don't, I don't love it. I need like a ramp up activity. So I structure my priorities in terms of what are a couple easier things I can get off my list and bang out so that I'm kind of like, all right, I, I'm in the work zone, I'm in the mode, you know, I can, I can chug through this harder task a little bit easier. And so if you're a math whiz and you love your math homework, do that first, get that out of the way, have it be fun. Or you can think of it as the reward at the end, right? But you have to kind of experiment with it because there's no, there's no right way. It's just, it's just figuring out what's going to work best for you. I firmly believe that productivity is personal. So again, we have to experiment what's what's going to keep us focused and, and work best for us and something that we can maintain for long periods of time. Well, I think the other thing that I see people getting into is as you move into a situation, you know, maybe it's a job, maybe for entrepreneurs, it's the whole idea of running your business. You, you do find some sort of rhythm, I guess people would mm-hmm. call it. You say you, or you get to a point you realize days go very well or it feels like you're really making progress if you can sort of repeat these certain steps or certain things at the same time of day, every day, every day. And 
I had a gentleman on my show last year or earlier this year, I guess it was, and uh, he actually wrote a book where he advocated stop repeating yourself. And he said to the business owner, if you get something going to the point that you are the one doing it day after day after day after day, or maybe maybe it's not every day, but at least every week, you're the one and only doing this thing that needs to go immediately to the top of a list to either got a couple of choices here. You can either delegate it, train somebody how to do it for you or automate it. If it's a task that is that kind of repetitive, it's an ideal candidate for somehow being automated. Um, but you don't want to keep doing it yourself. You, you don't need to be the one doing that, particularly if you're the owner of the business, because every minute you spend doing those things like that are taking time away from the bigger picture, the more strategic element of what you ought to be doing as the owner. Absolutely. That's why I always, that one of the first things I do is have people do those kind of time audits. So it's, it's really tracking how you're spending your day and, and what you're working on um, throughout the day. What's taking time, you know, what's taking the most time? Because that's, I think, another challenge that a lot of people have is that they don't, they underestimate or overestimate how long something's going to take them. And so again, just kind of paying attention to that and being really intentional because, yeah, I love automating work when I can. I, I love kind of as much as I can stop doing as possible, right? Because it's it's not the work. I didn't sign up to, you know, click buttons. I became an entrepreneur so I could coach and tell people about things that I, I love talking about. So yeah, absolutely. As much as you can take yourself out of those tasks, it's the better. Well, what are some of the other time management hacks that we haven't talked about yet that you help people figure out? Um, okay, so the number one is that definitely that intentionality, right? What decisions can you make today that will help you tomorrow? So even thinking about what's your close-up routine. So how do you end your day? How do you know your day is ended and, and preparing for the next day ahead of time? So that when you sit at your desk, you know exactly what you're going to be working on and hopefully can stay away from some of those distractions that are so easily available to us. Um, the big one is email. You know, when you mentioned someone having a couple hundred emails a day, we got to dig into that because there's just very little reason for it. Um, and I think people often give away a lot of their time because they think other people have more control than they actually do. You know, they think that they have to be super available to their team or to their superiors or to a client. And, and quite frankly, it's just not often not true, right? And so I kind of just challenge folks on that kind of thinking. Um, but a couple other fun, like more hack things is I love like a Pomodoro technique or I call them like power hours because Pomodoros tend to be 25 minutes of work and five minutes of rest time. But I like 50 minutes. I, I think it just helps us get a little bit more done and a little bit more in the zone. So 50 minutes of work, 10 minute break, Sometimes I'll set up my whole day like that because it is such a reality check when you got 20 things on your to-do list and you set up your day like that. You're like, I can get five things done today, right? Like it is, it is such a good reality check. Um, and then I also, again, 
try to remove myself from as many decisions as possible. So it's silly things like putting a website blocker up throughout the day so that I'm not defaulting to clicking to distracting websites or putting my phone not on do not disturb. I don't like do not disturb. It makes me too nervous, but I put it into work mode, which changes what my home screen looks like so that those distracting apps just aren't on the home screen. So it may feel like you're weak or, you know, it's like they're silly, but as much as we can just make it easier for ourselves, why not? We have the tools, we have the resources, they exist for a reason. So I would rather use my willpower to stay focused on that big task than to use my willpower to not play on my phone. One thing that comes to mind along that line is that when we start thinking about being more effective at time management, it ultimately comes down to usually breaking a habit and creating a new habit. And so you got to break away from something old that might have been arguably a comfort zone. You know, the, the, the notion of getting your coffee in the morning and going and opening up your laptop and, and plowing through emails for an hour is a, a, mm -hmm. a mindset that I'm being productive because look at me, I've cleaned up all these emails. Well, it's like... No, you just burned an hour of really prime time, you know, energy. If if you if you've got a really generally healthy routine, you've slept all night. Now you got up, you got started on the day. That's arguably probably one of your highest energy moments. Mm -hmm. And if you're burning it, burning all those brain cells, plowing through ridiculous emails, probably again at least a third are probably junk that. You got on a list and you don't need to be on the list and, you know, it's cluttering your inbox. You know, that's not the great thing to do. So that's, it's breaking out of that habit and, and looking at the more intentional. And I, I love what you said a moment ago about sort of closing out the day by mm -hmm. planning on what's going to be on tomorrow. And I take that idea one step further I encourage all of my leaders and owners to um, evaluate your day, not not just look at what boxes you checked, but give yourself a little bit of a score for whether or not you were intentional about getting things done. You know, did you show up in those moments as the leader you really need to be or want to be? And if you if the answer is no, not quite, not so much, or boy, I really blew that one. Okay, we'll take that into account and look ahead at the day tomorrow and look at the opportunity you may have to either double back and fix that moment or do it differently, do it more consistently. Again, we go back to the word intentional. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. More intentionally showing up as a different kind of leader, different kind of expert, different kind of uh, success is, is the only word for it. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is also just giving ourselves a little grace along the way. You know, we're not meant to be the same level of productive, product, same level of productive every day. Um, it's just not a realistic expectation. You're going to have really, really good days. Maybe you've got a great sleep the night before and you know, you're know you energized by your day for whatever reason. And there's going to be some days we just don't, we're just not feeling it. And everything is just a little bit harder. And right. so when we can, 
identify those days and give ourselves the grace and then trust. I think the other really important piece there is trusting ourselves that we'll get back on track, that that's not going to be forever um, is really important because it's easy to, it's easy to get a little spirally when we have a bad day. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't get anything done today. This is terrible. I'm going to be behind all week. And magically somehow I always find myself catch, you know, caught up by the end of the week, even if I have a bad day. Well, and I, I think ultimately, I think the challenge here for folks is to take some time and really think about your opportunities to refine your own personal view of time, time management, and how you want to be productive. Mm-hmm. I, um, I I can't help but mention I worked with an executive once. She was uh, responsible for a very large department at a, a large global bank, and she had about 400 or 450 people in her organization. And she implemented a rule. Of, again, I'm going to pound on email a little bit. She told her people that if you've got something that really needs my attention right away, use the word urgent right at the start mm-hmm. of the subject line. Urgent, dot, 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 blah, 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 whatever it may be. And she said, I'm going to tell you, you got to use it judiciously, but I promise you, if you use that word, I will get you a response within 30 minutes, wherever I am or whatever I'm doing. Um, she said, now, if if I determine you're taking advantage of that, I'm, we're going to have a different discussion. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but everything else... If you're needing to communicate with me, it's next day. It's mm-hmm. there's, it's gonna there's gonna be a next day element to it. You know, don't even expect anything from me in at least 24 hours. And her team learned how to do that pretty quickly, and there was a very high level of trust and confidence and understanding between all parties all her direct reports knew exactly what it took to get things done they they used that privilege sparingly but nonetheless they used it and mm-hmm. and sure enough all the important things got done in in very quick order and all everything else just went to the next day or beyond and so it was her way of almost saying yes but not now you know back to that yes. idea and um, she was willing to take the flag that said urgent as a true bona fide priority that she needed to really focus on. And um, I, you know, I, I thought it was brilliant. And it's it's a low tech. It's it's not. Mm-hmm. There's no no special system involved in doing that. Yeah, that's one of the best conversations I ever had when I was working in an office. Was exactly that. We we all got together and talked about our kind of personal productivity preferences and styles. And it was something as simple as if I had my headphones in, that didn't mean I couldn't talk to you. It just meant that I, I liked listening to music while I was working. But if I had my door shut, that meant that I didn't want to be disturbed. Right. And it was like, just, but no one, you know, it just having those conversations, right. Just being really explicit with that, setting the expectation for communications can be a game changer when you're working on a team of, if it's truly an emergency, what is the best way to get a hold of me? Should you send that email and then shoot me a text to let me know or follow up the phone call? Um, and it's not because there's a right way or a wrong way. It's just because everybody has different expectations. 
And so I, I think I think that's an absolutely brilliant plan. And I would highly encourage other teams to just come up with the communications policy and some of those personal productivity um, preferences or, or kind of baseline establishments for yourself and for your team so that you know, like, oh, Chelsea... Chelsea is a, you know, likes to do a lot of work in the afternoon. So I prefer morning meetings, right? Like, and if, as much as you can accommodate that, great. If not, you can't, but as much as we can know that about each other, it really helps out. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, this has been great. And I think we're about up on time here for this episode. So tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about your work and the things you do. Sure, it's been a great time. So you can find me on Instagram at Chelsea M Coaching. That's Chelsea with a Y. Um, or all my information is available on my website, which is ChelseaNewmeyer.com. And I have some uh, great freebies on procrastination and how to build your ideal day. Um, and then I talk a lot more about all these topics on my podcast, From Overwhelmed to Under Control. Nice. Well, as always, folks, we'll have that information in the show notes. You can hop down and check those clicks and or click those links. Yeah, check the links and click on it. There we go. We'll get it out and uh, uh, grab that information from Chelsea. And again, thank you very much for sitting in with us. Thank you so much, Doug. Well, folks, we're going to wrap this up. And as always, I'd like to remind you, there is a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, check out the videos, and uh, give us any comments, thumbs up, thumbs down, anything you want to share with us. We'd love to uh, see your uh, input there. I will uh, accept any suggestions you've got for new guests or ideas or topics we haven't yet covered on this show. Please feel free to drop me a line on any of my social media channels. The uh, best way to get a hold of me is my own website at simply dougthorpe.com. That's T H O R P E.com. There's a lot of um, ways to connect, leave a message, and get me information there. But with that, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.